This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On the justice front, though, this is the COVID-19 interrupting things when it comes to justice being seen to be served and so on and so forth, including jury trials or just the backlog of cases in the court system itself. Who better to address all of these concerns than our good buddy Joe Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert at Newberger and Partners. Joseph, how are you doing? I'm very good, John. How are you? Likewise fine. So am I right to say, I mean, the situation is somewhat dire in the courtrooms of the country? Yeah, it's uh, it's a real challenge, and it has been for several months. And as we face, you know, enormous challenges to restart education, universities, even going to restaurants, the court system has been struggling now for several months with a massive backlog due to the adjournment of trials and cases and the cessation of jury trials. So we now have a massive backlog and a real challenge to get our courthouses uh, retrofitted so that they are safe for people to come back in so we can start the business of uh, our criminal justice system and the civil system. So if the system is delayed and a lot of people as a consequence don't get their day before the courts, uh, is there any risk that maybe this will lead to some cases being stayed or thrown out? It's an excellent question that people are concerned about. And I think at this stage, we're not there yet because we are living within uh, very unique circumstances. Um, And so it's an act of God. So uh, the Jordan decision, I think, would contemplate these types of phenomenon. And so delay, which is caused as a result of uh, a pandemic and getting back to some uh, start of the court system that makes sense, that's safe for everybody, would not lead to stay applications at this time. Uh, The greater issue, I think, is how changes are going to be made down the road and if we're able to get this going. So many of our court infrastructure, much of the judicial system and criminal justice system is rather archaic. We've got buildings that need to be basically torn down and rebuilt, you know, HVAC systems, which are old. So if we're not able to retrofit and get things up to, you know, sort of a safe standard and start these cases going within a fairly reasonable time, given all the challenges, where does that fall? Is this because of the pandemic or is this because of chronic um, uh, low funding and not paying attention to the infrastructure? And that's where... I think if something starts to become extremely delayed, we may see applications come forward, and there may be some judges who have sympathy for that, and we may see some cases being stayed. But I don't think we're at that critical juncture just yet. Although, Joe, uh, we knew there was already a shortage in the superior court system in the province. I mean, I think Toronto alone had like too few judges by nine or something. I mean, where does that stand? Uh, Obviously, that's going to be even more impactful or compound the problem. You raise an excellent point. So if you go back, I think we discussed this a while ago, if you go back well over a year, the uh, downtown court, um, many of the Superior Court judges were saying how they are understaffed. They were short by, at some point, 11 or 12 judges. Now, there have been appointments, but again, insufficient appointments, insufficient spending into the process in order to have enough courtrooms running. So when you compound that with what's happened now, you're right, we're still way behind. There are appointments going on and have been over the pandemic, but we are still way behind in the resources necessary to deal with both sides of the system, the criminal and the civil side.
Again, with Joe Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners. So, Joe, on this matter of jury trials, too, uh, I understand there's been an issue. Some people are reluctant or resistant to answer the call, and yet the, I guess the uh, criminal code says let's have jury trials. We're going forward ahead with them. Uh, how do you see this one shaping up? Yeah, so um, people are receiving notices in the mail, and, and really they're just filling out a questionnaire. So this is just in case they might might make it to a panel that has to be called in for a jury trial in the future. So nobody should, you know, overly stress about this at this time. What is being undertaken um, very seriously by our courts, <clears throat> and in Toronto they're doing a very good job of trying to have certain courtrooms designated which are exceptionally large and deal with selecting juries in other forums which are very large and then make sure everything is retrofitted so that it is meeting safety standards, that's in the works now. And the idea is to try and reinstitute jury trials late in the year or early 2021 when this is safe. Now, assuming we don't have a vaccine, um, if somebody comes before the court who's reluctant to participate due to health reasons, they may have uh, a a fragile health um, uh, uh, be in that range of risk. Nobody's going to get forced on. But I think everybody has to understand that there's a constitutional right to a jury trial, that it's a basic component of our democracy, and in order for the criminal justice system to function, we have to move forward with this. This is our system of justice. But we have to find a safe way to balance uh, everybody's safety. I think it can be. There are courtrooms in Toronto which are huge. I mean, they are very large, where you'll have uh, physical distancing greater than uh, uh, two meters. Um, and where the HVAC system is really very good. And so I think we can do this in a safe manner. It just has to be carefully planned and rolled out in a slow, cautious manner so that we know that we're not running too many cases at once and that we are dealing with the health risks of potential jurors, so screening them out well before they ever have to make it to a courthouse. So it's going to take planning. I know the Chief Justice is working on this very carefully, but it's going to take time, and I think the public has to understand It's part of the constitutional right of an accused. It's part of our democracy. We need to get there, but do it safely and cautiously. Again, with Joe Newberger, got to ask you something that surfaced late last week as well. Uh, When it comes to prosecuting for simple drug uh, possession, uh, the federal prosecutor's office suggested diversionary sentencing. In other words, uh, forego any criminal cases, treat it as more or less a, a health or a safety concern, How do you feel about that? Is that the right way to go? I think so. When we're dealing with minor drug possession and you look at overall in the scheme of our court system, who are the demographics who are are charged with these offenses in light of what we're looking at as well as social and criminal justice reform, diverting out of the system through an alternative course, those cases which we don't think necessarily needs a prosecution or uh, some sort of a punitive criminal sentence, I think that's a healthy way of going. I think it's a an inspiring way of looking at it. Plus, we also have to be realistic. You can't litigate everything. We can't throw everybody in jail, nor should we. So I think those minor cases have to be looked at in a different lens now in light of the the reforms that we're looking at and looking at the reality of the backlogs we're facing. So I think it's, it's a necessary step. I think we have to be careful to determine which individuals are going to be diverted because those that are higher risk for other issues we have to address. And we also have to look at it from a health perspective as well, 
you know, something has to be put in place. The diversion courts have been in existence for a long time. So there are components to these um, alternative ways where we're looking at people's health and addiction issues. But again, John, we need resources to make this work. Interesting. When you said, well, uh, this would be in certain cases, I guess, the prosecutor, it's up to their discretion, which has lent uh, itself to one of those concerns that maybe certain prosecutors in certain areas, uh, it's like the old saying, you know, the hanging judge, you know, don't get the hanging judge. Uh, But if that's the case, would we be better served perhaps if we just decriminalized all drugs and therefore one size fits all and it's uh, not left up to the discretion of the prosecutor? Well, I think what would be best if we had a uniform policy for federal prosecutions across the province and across the country, rather than leaving it up to the discretion, because you raise a very good point. What may work in Toronto may not be the opinion north of Steeles or north of, uh, you know, Barrie. And so I think having a uniform policy across the country would be more helpful. The issue of decriminalization is a more uh, in-depth and complicated issue where you have people on both sides. There's many that advocate that by decriminalizing, we will solve a lot of the criminal issues and be able to deal with root issues and see a decrease in crime. But on the flip side, um, you know, possession, trafficking issues uh, still remain a very serious source of other criminality. And by decriminalizing, are you going to do away with those other issues of criminality? Much more study is needed, I think, in my opinion. I think moving towards decriminalizing other aspects of drug cases is very important. We've seen that in Europe. I think it can be done effectively, um, but I think it needs more cautious study. It needs resources into other areas, including health care and its allocation of these resources and how we deal with it. Even though we may decriminalize it, another part of our government and another part of our system is going to pick up the slack with other issues because we are dealing with massive addiction issues. So criminalization isn't always the best way to handle it. But this is a multifaceted issue, which is going to, which we can't just deal with in a knee-jerk reaction right now because we've got backlog. I think we need to do that in a very measured way. But looking at certain drug possession cases and certain drug cases uh, on a policy basis is the right step forward. And don't forget, of course, we've got to drill down on what constitutes simple possession. So uh, it's all about yeah. definitions, too. Joe, I'll let you go on that note. Uh, you've done rather well, given the voice. Take care of that yeah. voice. <laughs> I'll be better next time, I promise. Thank you. No, I mean, well. it's always full value. It's just like concern myself for your throat. Uh, Joe Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert at Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.